Welcome to Drunk Valorant, episode 13. Uh, good to see you guys here. Um, yeah. Hunter, what are you drinking? I have the Thursday Pale Ale by Peabody Heights. It's a local uh, brewing company that I hadn't had anything from before, uh, from Baltimore City. It is a triple dry hopped pale ale that's very hazy in taste. I was actually at the liquor store and I asked, what's the best hazy uh, IPAs that you have? And uh, this one is interesting because a lot of my favorite hazy ales also have, um, you know, some uh, fruit flavor in them. Like one that I particularly like has, is very citrusy. This one is like just hazy. Like it's a very, you know, straight down the middle, like very hazy beer with not a lot of other flavor besides the hazy beer. A lot, so, a lot like, of hops solid. is what you're saying? Like very hoppy? Uh, Yes. Although the guy at the store made a big point of that because they triple dry hop it, like it is hoppy, but it's not as like bitter as you would expect. Like it is, it's a very nice flavor. So, yeah, well, dry, dry hopping takes away a lot of the bitterness and adds yeah. the hop mm -hmm. flavor because it's done after the boiling process. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, Chase and I actually tried to brew beer. Like, was it a little over a year ago now at this point? Yeah, just about. Yeah. It turned which, out uh, absolutely terrible. Oh, it was dog shit. Um, but, mm. like, we did learn what the different processes do in terms of how Ooh. they affect the profile and flavor of the beer. Which is sweet because now I can go to the store and be like, oh, dry hopped. I know what that means. So right? you're saying dry hopping takes away the bitterness and adds flavor? Well, well it you, it just you, is not as bitter as when you like you typically boil your like initial beer, right? When mm -hmm. you're boiling like the the malt and the barley. Um and then you you add hops during that boiling process. That's how That's a beer it. is typically brewed. Um and that gives you a lot of bitterness. The more like time it spends boiling, the more bitter your beer is going to be. Mm -hmm. Um so if you want like a really bitter like hop forward beer you're going to put it in for a longer amount of time in that boiling process and then you'll remove the hops or you'll i guess you don't remove the hops you like just put them in at a certain time um into your boil i see I see. but then after that you put it into the fermenting process right so it sits in like a jug in a dark place um and if you put like a just a sack of hops in at that point, that's called dry hopping because it's not during the boiling process. I see. Yeah. So yeah, that means that it's not that uh, it's not that bitter. It's it's good. I would I would rate it probably like a for like a good craft beer. I'd rate it probably like a six point five out of ten. Like, I don't love it, but it's good. All right. Well, I'm gonna go next because Chase stole my beer, so I'm gonna steal his spot and announcing it. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I've got a field house collaboration with four wins here which are two local vancouver breweries that uh i really like Fieldhouse. four wins uh the jury's still out on some other stuff i like some other stuff i don't like um so i got a white ipa with mandarin uh so we're gonna see how this is i i'm not too sure about this one but uh it had like really interesting label like you know how when you get like all these tall boys they usually come with like a a stickered on label or whatever Right. This is kind of like yep. cardboardy. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So it also says spicy on it, which I didn't notice until like just now. So uh Oh baby. We'll we'll see how this You're comes in for out. a wild ride is what I'm Yeah. Um was, yeah, spicy beer. 
I had a beer with chili the other day, right? Yeah, I I don't know exactly what, like, when it says spicy, I don't know if it's going to, like, actually be, like, spicy. But, uh, you know what? Fuck it. Let me me just try it and get back to you. Well, I had that, like, chili lime sour or something like that um, recently, and it actually was spicy, and I kind of dug it. I was like, this is a spicy beer. I'm a mega wimp when it comes to that stuff. It's not, like, traditionally spicy, like, hotness level. It just has a unique kind of kick to it in the aftertaste. Interesting, yeah. Not my favorite beer, but not not bad at all. Like, I I don't know if I'd buy it again, but I'm glad that I bought it this time. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad that I stole your beer then, and you get to enjoy this one on the pod. Yeah, um, well, I'm going to enjoy the other one on the pod just, you know, later. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, that beer that we've now introduced a few times is called a called the Synchro Sentient IPA um, by Haifa Project. And I mean, Ooh. I didn't even know that Cass bought this beer, so I was just already drinking it. Uh, and then Cass goes, he was like, oh, I don't how do I pronounce this or something like that for the I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce the brewery name. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, no, that's already what I'm drinking. So go put that away. Grab something else. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it's very good so far. Uh, it's got uh, only strata hops. So very strata forward. But I, I do like that. So it's uh, it's pretty good. I'm sure Cass will enjoy it when he picks it up later in the pod. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I picked it. It has some like really cool artwork that obviously Cass, now you know, but this is what it looks like for you, Hunter, and for all you Ooh. video participants, which is all zero of you out there. So, yeah. <laughs> Craig, Craig is very impressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Craig is our recording bot. All right. Um, well. Yes. Yeah. Do you mind if I throw a quick curveball and give a quick PSA that uh, we haven't talked about before that I just yeah, saw on Reddit earlier? Yeah, this is uh, because we at the Drunk Valorant podcast care about our listeners. And, you know, if you're really into Valorant, you've probably spent at least some money on skins. And I saw something today that I thought, wow, I should get the word out about this because this is kind of a bummer. Someone posted on Reddit today that they immediately bought the new, like, Chinese uh, Lunar New Year uh, bundle. uh, Which is a bundle that I personally am not a big fan of. I just don't really like the, 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 the design of the skins and not being animated. They're not that exciting to me personally. But anyway, this user on Reddit um, said that they bought the bundle specifically because they saw a datamined leak of the knife equip animation. Well, sword, technically. It's a sword. And they thought, thought, wow, that's so cool. And so they immediately bought the bundle, only to find out that the live version of the knife of the sword equip is, like, the exact same as, like, any other sword in the game. Or... Uh, it was nowhere near what the data mine had revealed. So the moral of the story here is don't always assume what's data mine isn't going to get changed before the live patch. As of now, it's unknown if, you know, maybe Valorant made a mistake and it's going to be included at some point. But the long story short is make sure you look at what the skins uh, will actually do in game in the store rather than trusting a leak because you could get screwed. <laughs> Well, and in, in the case of these skins, that is absolutely nothing. They do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> True. I know. I'm wondering if, like, maybe they were just testing out, like, an animation for, like, a new skin line that they want to introduce. Yeah. 
and like we're just using that knife as like a placeholder for like perhaps like the next one they're going to come out with mm -hmm. um just to like see how the animation looked and it was never intended to be part of this skin pack but they just hadn't finalized um ugh, the design on the new knife that's very possible cuz uh, i i do know for other games like things that have been data mined were like just like oh like this character does this or that uh, they were just using that character as like a placeholder to figure out how they wanted their animations to run, and they weren't actually intending to release it like with that character or like with that skin. So I I, I wonder if that's what's going on here. That's probably what they're doing for the Yoru rework too, right? Like it's just all for a new character. They're just not even touching Yoru. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> okay. I will I will be so incredibly angry if that is true. All right, oh, yeah, you're, okay, you're, just you're, just you're on the skins. On wait, quickly on, on the oh, skins. Okay. I think yeah. we went we went over that, but the I, I think the skin pack is terrible. Yeah, oh I was God. so excited. They had such a like sick teaser for it, and um, I mean, I'm sure Cass will go into what he thought, and I completely agree with it. But I was I was super excited for the skin pack to see what it was going to look like when it released in store, and it is just nothing. Like it just mm -hmm. looks bad. Yeah, so what Chase was referring to here is I thought this might actually work pretty well is like if they released it as like a Prime 3.0 because it's got the uh, it's got like the tiger on the back the same way that like the the Prime the Prime 1.0 the Prime Knot or whatever has um what does it have a wolf a wolf and then a, yeah a and then the Prime 2.0 has the bull I, I I thought it'd be pretty cool if you know like they they released this skin pack is Prime 3.0 with, like, the tiger on the back. Um, and it was just, like, uh, I, I'm guessing this is the Year of the Tiger? It is, yes. Yeah, um, okay. But I was, I was thinking, like, it's not literally release it as Prime 3.0, but release it as the, the tiger skins, but in, the, like, the essence of the Prime skins. Yeah. Right, so that they have similar animations, similar, like, design style, but with the tiger instead. I thought that would have been super cool. And it's kind of what I thought it was going to be too from the the teaser video, mm -hmm. and they came out and they're just kind of like weird flowy lines that make the guns look a little fat. Yeah, because I I will say that the like the super cool part about the prime skins, in my opinion, is the unique reload. It's yeah. to my knowledge the only skins in the game that completely change up the way in which you reload a gun. Bullshit. And uh, Elder Flame. The Elder Flame does not completely change it up because the clip still goes to the same place. You feed the little dude pellets you, in, on the Frenzy. You, you feed... <laughs> yeah, like, okay, but like, it, the mag still is where the mag is on a regular gun. I, I will say, I do think it's cool that the Elder Flame has a non-standard reload animation, but the Prime is the only one that, like, completely changes up how the gun's reloaded. Yeah, to, to say to say that to say it I think a little bit more clearly, the prime is the only skin where you're actually reloading a different part of the gun than the magazine. Yeah. Because I believe that statement is accurate. Okay. I mean wait, are, on the Elder like, Flame, the don't you like don't you feed the mouth of the dragon? No, that... you, you kinda okay, at least with the the Vandal is the only one I can think of in like right now. But um you hand the mag to the dragon and the dragon yeah, the dragon's claws like move it into position yeah. the, interesting like, the okay claws grasp yeah its head goes down and goes roar and then it 
puts okay. the mag into position. Having not owned an Elder Flame, I don't use it a lot. But I mean, yeah. I don't either, but yeah. <laughs> I absolutely act like a complete fangirl whenever I see one on the ground because I love the Elder Flame Vandal. I can't stand it, but that's just I'm a, not huge that on basic it. thud when you fire a shot is just like, it's like an eargasm. I really do like the sound of it. I just don't like looking at it. It's too distracting for me. I don't like having a dragon in my hands instead of the gun because the so gun like, I can end up ignoring and focusing on the Do you like the, the game, stiff but... Elder Flame guns instead? The, the no, no, those are way worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at least you have a cool animation in the other ones. I will say, though, the, the pull-out animation specifically for the Frenzy is, like, one of the coolest in the game. Yeah, where it, climb, like, climbs down your arm? Yeah, yeah, like, you just yeah. hold the bag and it just, like, climbs down your arm. Like, that's so cool. But, like, with, with the Prime skins, like, you're stuffing a glow stick up the gun's ass. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, it, it's just, it's so unique compared to, like, any other skin line. And, like, I... I, I don't think I've said this on podcast before, but, like, I definitely have brought this up just, like, in us talking. Like, I, I think there's a lot of lost potential on so many other guns on, like, how you could have created a unique reload animation that, like, they just kind of, you know, didn't do. Like, I'm thinking of, like, specifically, like, the, the glitch pop. Like, on every gun, it looks like there's this kind of, like, computer chip. Like, there's, like, an i7 or something, like, on the gun yeah. somewhere. And I think it'd be fucking sick if you, like, pried off, like, the old computer chip and, like, slapped a new one on to reload your gun. Do you have to, like, thermal paste it first? It's a little animation of you putting thermal paste on the chip and then slapping it on That'd the gun. Hilarious. <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I feel like the ion is another one. Although, with, although like, uh, Chase, I gotta ask, do you... Do you think the way you said that? Uh, do you think that thermal paste goes between the CPU and the socket? Because no, no. that kind of implies that. No, obviously it goes <laughs> between explodes. the CPU and the heatsink. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no heatsink on these. So the way you said that heavily implies you're sticking it into the socket with the helps of thermal paste. I, I see. I see how that <laughs> might be implied, but please know that I, I know at least the basics of how a computer runs. So. <laughs> No wonder your computer has so many issues, Jace. Yeah, right, yeah. I've been <laughs> applying the, the thermal paste underneath the <laughs> the CPU the entire time. Yeah. Hey, you guys have thermal paste in your CPUs? I, I actually don't know. I haven't I haven't checked, but you know, probably. <laughs> I opened up my computer the other day to put in a new graphics card and I actually don't even know if I do. When uh, I bought my case. Well if you don't take the, the heatsink off, you can't so. tell if there's uh Sorry to, sorry to interrupt, Chase. I was just going to oh, say, well, if, you, if you don't take the heatsink off, you have no way of knowing. If I, 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 I've got a workstation, so my setup is rather different. And like Different in that there's nothing on the CPU? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I don't about? know. Like, I didn't look for it, but like, I just know that like the inside <laughs> of my computer does not look like the inside of like a regular computer. No, <laughs> it's very like, compartmentalized. I, I, it's yeah. like, you I look guarantee at... you there's something on top of the IHS of the CPU <laughs> to disperse the heat that oh, wouldn't allow you to see if there's thermal paste on it. <laughs> uh, of course, but there's also a like a, a metal thing blocking your sight of the heat sink. So when you open up his computer, there's like a bunch of little metal compartments and like under one will be RAM and under one will be the GPU and under one will be the CPU. It's weird. Yeah, like okay, it's okay. it's meant yeah. like my my computer is very much designed to like I take off the side panel and there are all these separate things that I can just like pull out and then slide a new one in in like in its place. If that makes sense. Very cool. Like, for example, I've got like five hard drive slots 
and there's just a little pull tab I can pull out a hard drive and then like just slide another one into its place um and like just put that in or like my graphics cards work in like a very similar manner I can just like just like pull out a graphics card and then slide another one into its spot um no, no. That's I, cool. uh, when you come out here, you can pop open my computer and take a look at it. Uh, but uh, to get back a little bit towards Valorant, even though I love discussing computers and I could do this all day, <laughs> I wanted to go back to what the initial comment was that you said, uh, Cass, about you know the lack of unique reloads. And mm -hmm. I agree fully that it would be cool. Because we haven't had a unique one since the original Prime skins and then Prime 2.0, which kind of had to continue it. I kind of wonder if for whatever reason, whether it's because of they're trying to, you know, the, you know, the negative interpretation of it is that they're trying to cut down effort on creating the skins, or maybe they feel like it's easy to make them too distracting. So they have a hard time figuring out how to do it without covering too much of the screen. Um, but one idea I had as well is uh, a Mass Effect reload. For those of you who don't know, in Mass Effect, your guns don't actually... Um, have ammo they overheat and you have to like dispel the heat so having a gun where you don't actually put in a new mag at all but like vents open up and like steam comes out or something like you're just dispersing heat and then you're good to go i think that would be super sick yeah like i, I think there's a lot of potential and like i i kind of feel like the answer is their skins are selling without it so why go through all the effort to do that um i don't know i i, I do hope that's not the case and like I, I I also really do hope that like for future skin packs that they do come out with some more unique reload animations because I think that's one of the like like I okay obviously the look and the sound and how those play together to create the feel of a gun for me is the most important part about it but I think yeah. like just behind that comes like you know cool animations um and I think like the origin for example has that really cool inspect um mm -hmm. and so like i i think that completely excuses them being like you know like we're, we're not going to add a unique reload like it already has this unique like inspect animation to it but like i i feel like at least for all like the the higher tiered skin packs like it'd be nice if they all had something that really set them apart well, I will kind of play devil's advocate to the, my own position that I brought up of Riot just not being bothered to put in the work because the skins are doing fine as they are. Because as I'm thinking about it, over the past like year or so, I can think of three skin packs excluding the Origin, which Cass already mentioned, um, that had a new and unique feature. First, there were the Recon skins with the randomizer element where every time you... I forget if it's when you equip them or when you pick... I think it's when you buy them. Every time you like pick one up or buy one, like the attachments change... There was the uh, uh, RGX11Z Pro Pack, which added the kill counter, which was, I'm sure that takes a lot more work to hook that into the game than, um, you know, adding a unique reload. And the evidence of that is that it was causing FPS drops until they got that figured out. <laughs> so clearly that wasn't an easy programming thing to do. Uh, and then the newest skin pack, the Protocol, with the... Uh, with the voice of with all the work required in creating new voice lines to replace what the agents say. I mean, it does seem like given the amount of effort we're seeing with those, that uh, the reason for not having more unique reloads doesn't seem like it makes sense to be a lack of effort. Well, that, um, I suppose that's a fair point. I mean, I, I think some of what you brought up is a bit gimmicky, but uh, sorry, Chase, go ahead. And hear. Oh, I was going to say the, the protocol skins is a good example of 
what I don't like in a skin is that it just seems like the voiceover is is cool and all, but it's just overall the skins fell a little bit flat for me. And I know that this is very controversial, especially with Hunter who loves the skin pack. So, um, but like, I just, I don't like the way that they look or sound very much. And so I guess maybe that's the first, as Cass was saying, like that's priority number one. And then after that, cool animations. Yeah, it would, I, I was discussing buying the whole protocol pack on an alt and Chase had to talk me out of it. And then Cass was trying to talk me into buying the Phantom because he hates picking up my Singularity Phantom off the ground since he sucks with it for some reason. So there's a lot of controversy surrounding this skin not, pack. Not there. Um, <laughs> okay, but on to some actual, you know, Valorant discussion here. Um, Hunter, you and I briefly spoke about this last night and... I tried to say as little as possible because this was the first topic for today or the first planned topic for today. Um, but I'm curious about what your guys' opinion is on the single strongest piece of utility in the game. Uh, and while you guys were thinking about that, I, I kind of wanted to give a little insight into my like thought process here. Wait, we're, ta- um, we're talking non-ult utility. Yes, yes, we're talking non-ult utility. We can include your E, just to be clear. Yes. E, Q, or okay, by default button layout, E, Q, and C. Um, like those those abilities. And yeah. so to, to kind of explain my, my initial thought process here, I was trying to think of like what abilities have like little to no counterplay to them. Um, and I decided that the idea, if, if the counterplay is either weighted out or run away, that that's kind of in a gray area. Um, of like whether or not that actually counts as counterplay. Um, well, I think there's a couple different categories here. Like, there are multiple different abilities that are really, really good, but in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because the first one that comes to mind is Sovadrone. Okay. Right, like Sovadrone is a damn good ability because yes. you can stay in cover. You can. Pop this drone, it has just as much visibility as you do, right? So it's not like a sky dog where it it has like fuzzy vision for a while. Like it has a limited range of of view. Um, So even if you don't get like that ping on somebody, if they shoot it out of the sky, you're still getting the information of where that person is. You probably saw them or you know where they're shooting you from, right? So that's a ton of information basically guaranteed. Yeah. Um. You don't necessarily get that with the Sky Dog, which is the most similar piece of utility because someone can shoot it from out of field of view. Oh, and also for reference, I am going to say KO Knife also doesn't count as counterplay. I'm sorry, oh, I was act- yeah. I was actually looking something up for a later topic, so I got slightly distracted there. Were we starting just with C abilities, or are you saying that that's the no, strongest any, ability in the game? No, Chase was I was saying that was that... that came to mind was the Sova drone. Okay. Yeah, so that's what I'm currently thinking. Um, although, on the other hand, what I was saying is, is you have a very different category. You have, obviously, Jet Dash as that it's like another second life, right? <laughs> when a normal character would have died, you can get the fuck out of there. Um, so... Jet Dash is what makes Jet the best character in the game right now. Um, so I would say that that is probably another one of the contenders for what the best ability would be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like okay so like it, like i was saying like it, i kind of started off by thinking like what has little to no counterplay um but then i decided things like you know raise boombot skydog and sovadrone all do have counterplay you can just shoot them um but and as you pointed out typically that does give away your position and also like that's that's it, it's still a really good ability even if there is counterplay there uh right. whereas flip side there are certain things like if if a brim drops his like his smoke on a choke point or whatever like y- your option is just kind of wait it out or like maybe try to like flash or w key through it well that's just so a like, smoke in general and if you're specifically yeah. talking about brim smokes they're definitely not the best smokes so what brim smokes how are brim smokes how are brim smokes not the best smokes because they're not infinite range and no no okay but we're talking about the smoke itself not brim's ability to smoke yeah yeah because we yeah in the context of talking about how easy it is to wait it out or push through i was that's thinking part in- that's part of what the ability is is its ability to be deployed places oh, right? oh i totally agree with you chase i was just thinking you were saying as a smoke once it's dropped brim smokes aren't the best in the game in which case i was like what because i think you yeah, would that, agree that, that when it comes to circular smokes about. brim smokes are the best once they're, they're the they're the longest lasting smokes which is the best yeah, yeah, yeah. But I totally agree with you in terms of I, I'm not saying brim smokes are the best smoke as an ability because of. But also, you can't fire. really play in them as well as you can like an astro and omen smoke because they're not a shell. Yeah. Um, right. So there's there's other things that like it makes brim smokes different. I don't know wh- whether or not you think that's better. According to you, you think that's better being hazy inside than being shelled. I think it totally. Is. I, I would say yes. Um. Because it. It makes it easier for an opponent to play inside your smoke if it's hollow, I think. But it also makes it easier for you to play inside your smoke. Although I, I think that in general, you probably your opponent will be playing inside your smoke instead More of you. Than you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the single biggest thing, well, the, the two things about Brim Smokes to make them really good are, for one, if you chuck a molly of any sort inside of a brim smoke, especially if it's a chaotic engagement where you don't necessarily hear the molly landing, uh, you don't necessarily see that molly as clearly and as immediately if you're pushing into the smoke. I have accidentally stepped in mollies more times than I care to admit for that reason. And also, if you want to play in the smoke and people come into the smoke at like staggered entry points, like so one person, you're at the edge of your smoke on your side, just enough to be able to see inside, and the enemy team is pushing in. Um, the ability for the other team to trade you after you kill the first person is reduced when they can't see as far. Um, you have a much better chance of getting a kill and getting out, or getting a kill and then repositioning slightly and getting another kill. So um, I, I think the hazy is better, and uh, I feel like that's a popular opinion online, not necessarily saying it's correct, but that's one th- thing people have said about Omen Smokes. They think they're worse because of them being hollow. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. I feel like, I, as someone who plays Brim a lot, like I sometimes get screwed over by the fact that it's hazy. Uh, but in general, I, I could agree with you that once they're on the ground, sure, they might be the one of the best smokes in the game, if not the best smoke in the game. Um, but I think that in general, if we're talking about these like abilities, what what's the best ability or best piece of util? Okay. You have to take into account its range and like sure. how you would that, have to deploy it. That, because in the same way, there's a reason why Chambers um, slow bots are better than Killjoy's alarm bot. Yeah, because they are global, right? Instead of you get to the other site and they deactivate, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a significant like point in the ability 
So I no, think it's, okay. it's fair, yeah, fair you enough. definitely have it's, to consider that. The, kind of the, way, the way you phrased it kind of seemed like you were talking about the literal smoke itself and not necessarily Brim's ability to place them. But yeah, I'm okay, on board. Getting back, to my, getting back to my whole topic about smokes, like I was saying, there, there is little to no counterplay against stopping somebody from just like smoking something off. But I feel like no smoke is in contention for being the best ability in the game. No. Even though there's not a lot of counterplay to them. Um, like the the two that immediately come to my mind are Jet Dash and Astra Suck. I was thinking those two as well as the Sky Flash. Those are the three that came to my mind. Sky Flash is pretty up there. Sky Flash is pretty good. I, I didn't think yeah. about that one. But okay, technically, you can shoot that one. That is true, but on the other side, not only do you get info from it, but it's also the only flash that you can fake flash with, and that is incredibly mm. uh, deadly. Um, I mean, I, not only can you do a, a full-on fake flash where you send it through and then don't flash and peek, but mm. also what I saw in the last tournament, I forget if it was Champions or Masters 3, cases where people would be so so scared of getting sky flashed, especially right around the corner, that they would literally be playing anti-flash before the flash even came out, and thus get killed by someone who just walked up. Yeah, on there, there's a clip on on Reddit of two people on phase yeah. in this recent tournament, both playing anti-flash when they spotted. Oh, sky. oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and the sage just walked in and shot them both in the back. Right, right. <laughs> I never, sky never flashed. <laughs> yeah, That's and so to have, yeah. Scott, to have a flash that is that much power that enemies have to be that carefully prepared for it, like, I, I think that's enough to put it in the tier, top tier of abilities. Yeah, no, I, I do think that that is a really strong ability. Uh, like, but I, I'm thinking, like, one of the things that I always, like, look at um, in terms of, you know, wh whether I think it's, like, really strong or not, has a lot to do with, as Chase pointed out, um, like how, I guess, global or just like universally applicable it is. Um, which, which I think Sky's flashes, like, kind of adhere to that thought process mm -hmm. of like, there, there are very few situations in your which, in which you're thinking like, ah, this flash isn't what I want right now. Whereas like, with other flashes in the game, say a Phoenix Flash, right? Like, because of its... It, it, it Even if Phoenix Flash was really fucking good, like, it's just more situational. Um, whereas Sky's Flash is so, you know, just universally good. So I, I think that's definitely another nod in that favor. Um, yeah, because it also gives info, so it adds a whole nother ability to, to that Flash that other Flashes don't have, right? So just, you have, you know, just its flashing ability. You have the ability to flash a long angle or pop flash. You have um, the ability to get information off of it. And you have the ability to flake, fake flash. So it has all of these different uses um, mm -hmm. for a flash. I think that that is in strong contention for the best piece of util. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, yeah, I guess the other one, like the one that is prior, because I, I did not consider sky flash. Uh, initially, but I was thinking, um, just like in terms of the Astra suck, the fact that it, it's so good for comboing with other abilities is also like a huge boon in its favor. Yeah, um, like I, I, I saw a clip today on Reddit of a on Fracture, like 
a main, kind of nearish to squeaky. Um, a breach concuss comboed with an Astra stuck and a raised nade. Just got a 4k. Because everybody's wow. just just can't fucking move. And Ray's just hucked her nade in there. And like all four people were just like right there and there's nothing they can do about it. Which Yeah, and, and given what you said earlier about the counterplay, that's a big thing too. You, there's literally nothing you can do. Yeah, that's what I was like, like that's why I was thinking like like create that or is why Astra Suck is so strong, is because there there's literally nothing you can do about it. Like you can see the star on the ground, but like you can't shoot out the star the same way you could shoot out like a a killjoy nanoswarm or something. Um and because Astra can place all her stars as she chooses and then decide what she's going to do with it, she can single-handedly stop a rush anywhere on the map. Because you can just put one of your stars in each of those main points and then just go, okay, as soon as I got a call out from a teammate, I'm just going to hit stuck on that one. And I believe Jet can get through it with her dash. Technically, Omen can TP through it, although probably don't really want to just TP onto site as Omen. Um, yep. I think Rays can blast back out of them, right? Yep. I don't think Neon can just E plus W key out of it. I think. No, I'm pretty sure Neon can. Neon can just run through them. Yeah, I remember seeing a video of like testing out Neon's abilities against a bunch of other util, and I yeah. think you move faster out of it but yeah i mean when when people are getting pulled there's a good chance someone is is peaking that angle right so like even though you can do that that often won't end up well for you as neon yeah so like i i guess i'm just saying and also three of those four agents i just listed are duelists and yeah. so you're probably not going to see all of them on a, any given team comp and oh did you mention that yoru can tp out I did not mention that Yoru can TP out. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Um, okay, again, four out of five of those characters I just mentioned are all duelists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless you're going for a meme comp, you're probably not going to see that. And which, yep. even if, like, okay, let, let's say one or maybe even two of them are in your team comp. Like, that's still three people who are just stuck there and can't get into sight. Which, like, uh, back when I played Jet a lot, would happen to me, whereas, like, I'd, I'd dash into sight, and then, like, a Killjoy would, like, molly off the entrance, and then I'm the only person in there. Right. Um, and so, like, I, I feel like that's, like, Astra's suck has the same capacity to do that, except you can't clear that out. Whereas, like, a Sova could shock dart out the entrance and just be like, oh, if Killjoy dropped any Nanoswarms or Alarmbots here, I'm just going to break them. But I, I definitely think Astra's suck has to be in contention here for best PC utility. I think you're preaching to the choir. I don't think either of us disagree right. with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it. I just don't see it as being as good as, uh, a, sky as a sky flash or even a, a drone. Mm. It can, it can pull a diffuser off the bike. It can outright stop rushes. It can effectively clear corners for you. Um, cause you, yeah, but it's hard, it's hard to set up to do that. I mean, not, not super hard, but if like you have to have a lot of foresight and team play to do those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I would argue that stopping a rush and uh, playing with the post plant is something that we see even at our ranks. Because yeah, no, that, I, I was yeah. I was specifically commenting on the uh, like clearing, clearing corners corner. with. Oh yeah, yeah, clearing corners definitely. Yeah, that's a team play thing. Yeah. Um. But like, I I think it's universally like, pretty good. Like, I, I think there are very few situations in which like Astra has a star down. Let's say all her abilities are off cooldown, and you're thinking, or like, let's say your your suck is off cooldown, but like your smoke and your your concuss aren't, and you're sitting there just being like, ah, shit, like I'm gonna wait for my concuss to come back up, or like I'm gonna wait for the smoke to come back up. You know, maybe it's the fact that Astra is probably one of the least seen agents at our rank that I just haven't played against a lot of Astras, and I don't understand how annoying the suck is. But like when I think of the suck, I was like. Oh, that's not that annoying. I just f- fucking run out of it, right? Like, obviously, it, it's dumb if, like, you're if I'm defusing and it's pulling me off of defuse, mm-hmm. right? But there are other things that can get me off of defuse, like lineups, mollies. But like, I I I think, the, okay, the mollies. Okay, so like Killjoy's mollies, you could discover them and shoot them, and you often play Sova. So yeah. you could just, if you have a shock dart left, you could just shoot a shock dart at the at the spike. Okay, That's wait, great. but in the same in the same context, what is an Astra suck doing more than a molly when it, a molly can clear an angle for you, get somebody off of defuse, stop a push? You can be literally anywhere and stop a push anywhere or or play for the post true but anywhere. yeah you had you had to have previously set up a star to do that right but i'm saying at the beginning of the round like like specifically like you only get five stars right like you can't put one on every place that you could possibly want one you could put one on any place that somebody's gonna rush on most maps you got a you got B. Yes, why, why are you switching the conversation back to rushing we're specifically talking about post plant well, I'm, I was just talking about overall versatility. Yeah, I, I oh, talking, yeah. so I'm talking about like you can't you can't do both. You can't you there are typically a few entrances into site. Na- name a map. Bind. Okay, you can put one showers. You can put one short. You can put one outside of uh, outside of hookah, and you can put one on B long. Yeah, but then you're giving up your ability to play for post plant. No, you're not. That's only four stars. I guess and you can, you can take back stars. Well. You and you can, can recall stars, stars yeah. and shit. Yeah. I forgot you could do that after well, way too good. Just because you play yeah. place a star down doesn't mean it's like, oh, I got to use that one. Hmm. Would that be a good nerf to Astra? Or would that be too far? It's interesting I you mentioned that, Chase, because that, that, that was just discussed on Reddit today, and I agreed with what a lot of people were saying, which is what you said, that you can't recall stars anymore as Astra. Yeah. And would that be a good nerf to her? Like, I, I, I did not see that Reddit discussion, but mm-hmm. I think that would be a good a good nerf of just if you put I, a star think, down, that's it. I think, okay, definitively, you should not get a mini smoke when you recall your star. I think that is a foregone it, conclusion. It does in, make in surf, surf, some really cool plays, you know, when they can, like, recall them all and run through an area. I like that a lot, but... Well, I'm just thinking about the fact that, like, because when she recalls it and the smoke blooms, you don't know if she just recalled it or whether she actually popped the smoke. Right. Yeah, I'm just thinking of TikTok plays, dude. <laughs> think um, of the tiktokers i'm not on tiktok their, so their, i would never know but like, would be ruined 
I assume that there's some TikToks that plays like that. So, uh, well, um, unfortunately, here might have to call for an early intermission. All right, we are back from our intermission. All righty. Okay, so uh, Chase, I believe you were just talking about those TikTok plays, which oh, is yeah. like Astra pulling up all her spokes and just kind of running through it. Yeah, yeah, like, that was a complete yeah, fucking okay. joke. I think Astra needs yeah. to be nerfed, and I think like, that the uh, the not being able to recall a start. I mean, from my initial, I have had now like two minutes to think about it, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that I can't think of any reason why it would be too strong, like too much of a nerf. Yeah, you already I, get I five stars, right? Like five is a lot. Right? Yeah, she's you, already... you have to be more selective. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt Chase. You were saying you have no, to no, be more that, that's good. Yeah, like she already you had to be more selective with uh with placing stuff down. Yeah, and I'm just going to piggyback off that to say that you know that doesn't take away from the fact that Astra is the only controller who can place you know her her utility anywhere on the map, and also the one who has no counterplay and the most options for a given star. You see a star on the ground, not only can you do nothing to it, but you don't know what it will become. So, yeah. I agree. See, I'm wondering if the answer should just be you should be able to do something about the stars on the ground. See, then I think that Aster becomes very useless. Because then you might as well just place a suck or place a... Like, you'd have to make it so that instead of putting a star and then... uh putting something out you would just have to from your astro form place a smoke place a suck place a concuss and it would immediately do that thing now i have i have a spicy idea sorry uh chase i'm not gonna lie i zoomed out a little bit when you were talking because i was so excited about the idea i just had so could you, could you say what you were gonna say real quick could you repeat what you just said uh More i was less. just saying that like you you couldn't I mean, fuck, what what were you talking about? What was the original thing that I was responding to, Cass? You, you responded to me saying that, like, I think perhaps you should just be able to do something about the fact that there are Astra stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that that would be way too big of a nerf because then you might as well just, re- like, take away stars in general and have oh, Astra only be able to place a smoke, place a, a suck, or place a concuss, and it would immediately do that thing when placed. Right? Because... If you're sense. placing a star on the map, it's just too easy to destroy that. Unless well, it had it fucking we... downed KO health. Well, that's what I'm saying. It depends on how we define getting rid of it. Because if I have to stand there and, yeah, do the same thing as reviving a KO, like, that's... I, I, I don't think that'd be that problematic, but in the context of, like, if it has the same, like... If I can just shoot it like a Killjoy Nano Swarm, or, like, even if it had, like, a Killjoy turret health, yeah, that'd be a bit dumb. Okay, if you had to stand on the star, like, you couldn't shoot it from afar, if you had to stand on it and, like, unequip it somehow, then I feel like you're doing the same thing a suck would do in that same instance, though, right? Yeah, I, I piggybacking well, off I the idea of doing the same thing as get, a suck. I don't think that they should know that you're doing it. Here's the thing. Here, if, here's my hot take. About it, yeah. Okay, so here's the here's the idea, right? So if you find a star and you're on the enemy team... You can interact with it by pressing F, same as if you're F by default, same as if you're, you know, taking up an alt orb, but not when you start doing that, but when you finish doing that, when the star is removed, and it could take a pretty similar amount of time as collecting an alt orb, the enemy Astro would be notified via via voice line or something that 
that star has been uh, but, removed, and the person who removes the star is both concussed and made vulnerable, as if they were both hit by a, as the, as, as if they were hit by a concussion and a uh, gravity and well that goes off of them yeah. at the same time. So like you can you can go for it, but you have to be really confident you're not going to get peaked anytime soon after that. Because then you'll be dead, being concussed okay, and vulnerable. What's, what's the fucking point, then? Why would I do yeah, that? Yeah, I would just leave it. I'd rather get sucked or concussed. Yeah. Well, because... Because the, the fa- well, well, there's you... a... Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a chance behind that you're it. not. Like, there's a chance that if they don't know you're there, then they're not going to pop it. Right? So you can get through that area without removing the star. But if I remove that star, I'm going to be concussed and vulnerable, and they get a voice line to know exactly that I just did that. They can, yeah. if they're playing nearby, they can just peek me and one shot me to the body. I, like, I'm thinking in the context of like, like what the reason why I'd like that there is so that in a post plant scenario, when I'm on like, let's call it split A, and I'm trying to defuse the spike, Astra can't be on Haven C site and just fucking suck me off it. Mm-hmm. And if I get concussed and vulnerable by taking that star, what's the fucking point? Like, she could have just done one or the other to me, but now I've got to deal with both? Well, the point is, it's, it's, it's actually a fairly significant difference, because think about this. You're in a 2v1, uh, you're on defense, you've secured sight, but the Astra is playing off, uh, probably has an angle where they can peek the bomb. In the current thing, they just have one star there, that's a that's a suck, and it sucks whoever's diffusing off the bomb, and then there they are, you know, be, being moved around vulnerable, and uh, the Astra can time it perfectly to where you know you maybe maybe she does it, she lets you get half, but not full, or maybe she does it so that you don't even get half, and so your your timing for diffusing the bomb is all thrown off, and uh, you know you you can't control exactly what happens, but if instead the moment you realize okay, there's an Astra star here, and Astra's the last alive. You can have one person gobble up that that star, and then the other person be watching for the Astra to swing. Because, you know, as soon as they see that star is gone, they're going to be like, first of all, I have to swing to stop the defuse, and second of all, there's a vulnerable person there. Hey, but also, the, with, with two people, what you can just do is you can body block the other person from getting pulled off spike. That's kind of tough to do, though. And if you're doing that... And then the Astra decides to peek off the suck, then you're both probably kind of screwed. But you're in the scenario where you're talking about where you take that Astra star and deal with the vulnerable and the concuss. Astra can but only swing. on one person. That's the difference. Right. But Astra can swing and take the fight on one, the, the healthy person, and then you're just stuck there, vulnerable and concussed, and she can easily kill you too. No, my well, point, my point is that the taking, other person. Yeah. My point is that the other person needs to position themselves so that usually in most post-planned scenarios, it's fairly clear where the Astra might be playing. At least it's clear where she's not playing. You have a range of options for where she could be playing. So if the other teammate, you know, swings into the open in a place where the Astra would be peeking from and takes that duel while she's fixated on killing the person who's concussed and vulnerable, then that's how you play the scenario. And that controls the timing so much better because you can do that immediately instead of having to wait for the Astra suck to waste you time on the spike where, you know, you got it almost halfway and then she sucked you off, uh, which is what's so devastating about the suck. Well, I, I feel like there there is an advantage, though, in that, like, with the, in the 2v1 scenario, when you can body block so that the person doesn't get sucked off spike, 
is Astra's probably assuming that you got pulled off spike. So she's probably just not even going to peek that. Well, I feel like body blocking, you're saying it as if this is some like common tactic when in fact it's pretty difficult to pull off. Uh, I've never seen it in any, uh, like, I feel like I run into Astros more than Chase was saying. Maybe it's an East Coast versus West Coast thing. I don't know. I've literally never seen anyone at my ELO use that tactic. And even at higher ELOs from the last tournaments from Berlin and uh, champ uh, Masters 3 and Champions, I also don't think I saw that once, even though there are plenty of times of body block of people, you know, having the suck on the spike. So just because you can do it doesn't mean it's always easy to do. And even when you're doing that, you know, you're 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 putting your heads right next to each other. So if the yeah, person who's I, not I being sucked that... doesn't win the gunfight against the Astra immediately, that's an easy two K for the Astra. I, I I just feel like it's not like like you getting concussed and vulnerable for taking a star back is just way too much fucking penalty. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But like, like... I think the penalty should be that I have to stand there right where the star is and get rid of this star. That's a penalty Which is typically enough. in the open. Yeah I, yeah, I just don't think you need... Like, why, the, why uh, should there be an extra vulnerable. I feel yeah. like you need some other debuff for the reason that typically the way an Astro will set up, and this is something that any smoke character can do, is if you're especially on attack, you're going to place a star CT to do something, most, most normally a smoke. On most sites, you're going to place a star CT. If I'm on defense, I can just gobble that up real quick. Like, there's very little penalty, so and then because I'm at CT, I can early. very... Well, you, you kind of want it to be down early is the thing, because it takes some time to go into your astral form, put the star down, and then bring it out. Like, you don't... If, you're, if your team is executing onto a site, like, you don't have a ton of time to, like, put it up last minute right before your team is going to enter the site. I, like, I realistically... it's fair to say that, like, for the first 10 seconds of a round, you can't get rid of them. Right, and then, like, like, or like, for the first like ten seconds of the round, or for like the first like eight seconds after she places one down, there's nothing you can do about it. But afterwards, after it's been on the ground for X amount of time, whatever is a reasonable amount of time, I don't really know. I'm not a game designer. Um, then it would be removable. Okay, I here's what I'm thinking now. I'm thinking, what if you just were vulnerable? Fuck the concuss too. Right, the concuss makes you not be able to move, but you could, you should still be able to move because they're getting an audio cue that you've, like, they could peek you immediately. But I don't know if I'd rather be concussed or made vulnerable. I don't know which one's worse. I think in the context of, of, like Chase said, knowing that that star has been removed, the concuss is worse because that eliminates your ability to move out of the position where they know you are. Mm. Yeah, because you like can, concuss is, is worse in that context. You can have it in your mind that I'm going to remove this star and immediately get back to cover because I'm going to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Right? The same way that you're like, oh, I tripped a alarm bot. I'm going to not peek this angle right now. Do you guys often get hit by alarm bots? I no. feel like I'm able to shoot them most of the time. Are you talking yeah, they're pretty actual slow. Actual alarm bots from Killjoy or Yeah, Killjoy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, no, the alarm bot not not the trademarks. Yeah, um Although Yeah, I, I really like only I don't get hit by trademarks very often and I guess that's partially because I play chamber, so I know where they're going to be more often than not. Yeah, like likewise because I play Killjoy, I very rarely get hit by alarm bots. I very often just hear them before I see them and shoot them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or you yeah, or you can see them. 
yeah, I see them because I W key into them, and I'm like, ah, shit, alarm bot, and then just flick down and shoot it, and then. And then your crosshair's off the angle, which I guess yeah, is my crosshair's off the angle, and that's the point. Yeah, which like it's something I've started to do against Ray's Boombot, um, and this is because I play Jet and Chamber, and I can get out of dodge. Is I will wait till like literally the last second, just staring down that angle, and just waiting for the rays to peek me. Yeah, and like I, I'm aware that I play the two characters who are actually able to do that. I guess three if you include Reyna. Um, I think Yoru's TP takes too long, so like, yeah, when you're TPing out, it probably just blow up in your face and kill you. Um, but yeah, I, I like I, I play two of the three characters who are actually able to just stand your ground and take the gunfight against it. But I, I've started doing that a lot more rather than shooting the, the boom bot and then having the rays swing me and my crosshair be in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's like I was trying to BM a raise earlier by uh, she threw her nade at me in like a corner. And I was like, well, I could run out of this, but fuck that. I'm going to stare her down. And then she peeked me with the nade and I tried to kill her and I I, I didn't. And mm-hmm. I threw the nade. It happens. <laughs> it happens. But I did do like 120, so, you know, probably worth oh, yeah, it. But back, back to the original <laughs> conversation. Is there anything else that you guys feel like should be tossed into contention for best piece of utility in the game? Okay, are we going to choose the best piece of utility? Because what are our current candidates need. are Astra Suck, mm-hmm. Sky Flash. Sky Flash. I'm throwing Sova Drone in there. Fair enough. It's a damn good ability. What else um, do we have? Anything else? I think Jet Dash kind of needs to be. Oh, yes, Jet Dash. Absolutely. We didn't really talk about Jet Dash, but that's been played out. We all know how fucking good that ability is. Yeah. Um, Um, So anyone going to throw their hat in the ring for what they think the best one is? I am going to throw my hat in the ring for Astra Suck, and part of the reason for that is that between Champions and then... Okay, so at Champions, we saw that Sky wasn't always picked. She was picked a majority of the time, but she wasn't, you know, always picked. Um, and then seeing some of the comps for the open qualifiers, uh, open qualifiers right now in NA, what's interesting is that there's a lot less Jet, especially now the teams are working in Chamber into their uh, comps. So for that reason, even though that's obviously an indicator of the whole agent rather than just one ability... I'm going to use that as evidence to say that Astra is Astra dominates the uh, controller position more than um, Jet dominates the duelist position or Sky dominates the initiator position, especially with Sova in the mix. So, kind of, sort of springboarding off of that, I, I think that Astra's suck is the best. I I just I'm... think that that's a bad take because it, it you're taking into account way more than just the single ability. I'm you're taking a you're one. taking into account agent pick rates and comps, which is not at all to do with an individual ability, right? Like we well, were talking about how good Brim's smokes are, but fuck, he's a terrible agent because he's got one ability that sucks dick, right? So well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Uh, I realize that that my argument may seem flawed on the surface, but what I was what I was getting at is. The, the most important ability for an agent is their E ability because the ability that they get for free and in the vast majority of cases, the ability that their kit is designed around. So oh. with Sky oh. and Jet, their E is very much core to who they are. And if, if, we, uh, if, if we cut all of the agents that aren't the E ability from all the agents, Sky and Jet would still be really, really good. And obviously Astra's suck is not her primary ability, but... 
I think if you removed Astra's suck, her pick rate would go down exponentially because I think it is her strongest individual utility ability besides her general like capability of being able to put stuff down all over the map. So it is a bit of a stretch, but I think it makes sense what I'm saying. See, I'm just thinking we have to remove ability from agent. What does the ability itself do versus the agent do? Right? Like, we, I, I was saying that yes, you have to take into account how the ability is deployed and where, like, what its range sure, sure. is, but that's still uh, part of the ability itself. Like, I, I, take, I think I do agree with Chase here on this. Like, take take the agent completely out of it. I don't care if they're an initiator, a duelist, a controller, right? Like, how Astra as a controller dominates all the other controllers doesn't really matter here. Is is her suck better than a jet dash? Well, the reason one why to one, was... one to one doesn't well, matter what why... the character is. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I think the issue is that the, the abilities we're looking at in particular are so different that you have to look at their impact in actual rounds because it's kind of pointless to consider if you hadn't. Because it's kind of pointless to consider, you know, an agent that just had sucks versus an agent who just had dashes versus an agent who just had sky flashes because that's so different than what we actually see in the game. So uh, I, I guess that, you know, okay, I just I, don't know I how think, helpful that is. I, I think what Chase is saying here is like, in if you're in any given round, right? Yeah. What, what do you think would provide more utility to your team? Well, and that's the as, thing. You can't really say that. Ability. Because... Like I, I think we we can all agree that like in in a void, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that when when nothing else is around, the fact that Jet gets a second chance on life is incredibly powerful. Like just in in, in a void, right? But yeah. in the context of you actually playing a game, you don't always just get to use it in that manner. Right. Right. And so, like, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's fair for you to say, oh, like, we, we need to consider how, like, it, it works in tandem with the character, because that's not entirely the point. Okay, l- let me rephrase then. What I'm, we're talking about the strongest abilities in the game, right? Yeah, and also, yeah. for the record, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm tossing yeah, my yeah. hat in for suck too. I, I just feel like your argument is slightly flawed, despite the yeah. fact that I do believe we are coming to the same conclusion. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to admit that my argument isn't rock solid, but in my opinion, since we're discussing the three possible strongest abilities in the game, that what I was well, saying... We threw ab- drone into contention here, so we got four. Yeah, that's, what, that's why I said possible. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we'll, we can add the drone in there and, and call it uh, four. But either way, so four of the strongest abilities in the game. You would think that if one ability is incredibly strong on agents that, as we've all agreed, none of these are a Brimsmoke, none of these are or like a Yoru Flash, like abilities that are strong on an agent who has a lot of flaws. All of these are abilities on an agent that is well-balanced, and so I'm not suggesting that we continue the rest of the agent, like, that we consider the rest of the agent's well-balanced kit. I'm suggesting that an ability that is the strongest in the game should cement that agent, assuming they don't have serious flaws, as an agent that has a really high pick rate. 
And so that's why I'm saying the fact that Astra continues to have a very high pick rate reflects positively on the fact that she does have the strongest ability in the game. I don't really think that's a deductive argument. I'm, I, 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 it just it makes sense to me, but I understand that it's not ironclad. So I understand I what you're saying, but I I feel like yeah. you can also just make the argument that it's Aster's entire kit and how it works together and how you can have so sure. much versatility and options. Now sure. yeah. that being said, there is an ability that does that has all of those versatility and options in a single ability, and that is Skyflash. And so I, I have to, I have to say Skyflash I think is the best piece of utility in the game. And like Hunter, I, I, I will say though, like pre any Viper buffs, her mm-hmm. alt was probably still one of the strongest alts in the game. Uh that is incorrect if you mean truly before any Viper buffs, because before any Viper buffs the decay applied to your own teammates. And it was absolutely not the strongest ability in the game when that was true. I didn't know that it oh really? Yes, yes. Did that get changed prior to her other buffs? Or did that I think come... I think it I think it was changed just prior, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay. Because okay, then never mind. My argument falls apart. Um because if that came at the same time or roughly the same time frame as her other buffs, then like my argument doesn't really make sense here, so we can kind of just ignore that. Um I don't know. I, I do think Skyflash is really, really fucking good though. But and they, they have nerfed the flash, right? Like yeah. They've, okay, but the flash itself is not as good anymore. Yeah. But I, I it has so much flash. versatility. Yeah. So much versatility, yeah. right? Which, like, you can't really take away from it. That's the problem, right? You can't nerf it by saying, "Oh, it no longer tells you if enemies are there," because that's such a massive part of it, mm-hmm. right? Oh, you can no longer fake flash. That's such a massive part of the ability, right? All of these things seem integral to the ability itself, which I think cements it as an incredibly good ability because it has all of these different options to do with it and um also hunter to to go against your point with just like agent pick rates um i i feel like also part of that just has to do with competition guys competing against uh well on most maps competing against uh you know are you going to run a sky over a sova or a ko and then on a on a couple of maps, specifically Fracture and um, and Split, then Breach comes into contention as well, which yeah. are all like, all of those characters are viable picks on quite a few maps. Whereas when you're looking at who would replace Astra in a comp, you have... You only have Viper on a couple of maps, and they're Viper very different characters. And also, on a couple of maps, teams play both Viper and Astra. So... I, I just feel because like Astra is by far and away the best smoke. Yeah. So, so I, I feel like it's not necessarily fair to just look at the agent pick rates because in that context you have to consider what their competition is, and like if we're being honest here, both Omen and Brim just don't hold a fucking candle in that conversation. Yeah, that's 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 true. It, it would be. That's why I said what I was saying wasn't deductive. It would it would be a false argument to say that you can guarantee that the agent with the highest pick rate has the strongest ability in the game. I was sort of that would be obviously a very incorrect logical argument. I was just sort of saying that that I feel like that cements what I'm saying, but I totally agree with what you're saying that yeah, it kind of doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, I'll I'll admit that my point wasn't very strong. Yeah. Uh I also do think that like in the context of Jets Dash 
if you take away both her updraft and her smoke, it's nowhere near as strong as it is right now. That's true, like, but if, if yeah. If you take both of those abilities away from Jet, I don't think her dash is anywhere near as strong as it is right now. It still has the problem that people complain about the most, being Jet can take a stupidly aggressive angle on defense with an op, and then fuck off. Like, that yeah, still would exist, but you can't take all those off angles without updraft, and you can't really entry without your smoke. Yeah, I feel like if you gave every agent only their E, Jet would st- would be the easy- the best agent in the game, hands down. Still. Well, still might be an overstatement, because I don't think she's necessarily uh, the best agent in the game right now. But, uh, yeah. Only their E? Yes. Only their E is tough, because a lot of agents' Ooh. kits work really well with each other, right? So Yeah, so for right, because, because what you're just saying... Ca- well... Yes, but my point is, you were saying, well, what if you take away Jet's other abilities? And I'm saying, yeah. I feel like the only fair way to compare that is to take away other agents' abilities other as agents well. Other agents' abilities as well, Which yeah. is why I'm saying that. Yeah, right. yeah but I, what Cass was trying to say is that if we're looking at the dash itself and not the dash in combination with other utility, right? So it's not, it's we're looking at the dash and it's not dash plus smoke or yeah. updraft plus dash. It's just dash. Yeah. But, is that okay, the best? I think, like, okay, I think well, that I think yes. If that's how we define it's, it's it. Good, but yeah. if that's how we define the the argument, though, then I agree with you. Sky Flash is the best utility in the game because I think you lose a lot of value on Astra's utility. Okay, well, not necessarily with Astra herself, I guess, but like by you being able to toss a raise nade on top of the Astra suck, uh, or you can suck somebody into like a breach aftershock, or like so if I can shock dart where the where the suck is. Um, I think if you took every other ability out of the game, I don't. I think Astra's suck loses a lot of value. But if we're only saying that the other agents, like that specific agent's abilities, don't get to come into question, and like other agents can still use their abilities, then I think Astra's suck is still the strongest piece of utility. Yeah, no, I think. Hey, Go ahead. You guys, you guys know my my setup on split A site for, yeah. for breach. Yeah, one, one of you guys has flash, to learn. Astra, yeah, or one concuss, uh, aftershock and flash. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it just immobilizes everybody because yeah. they don't know what the fuck's hitting them because they're flashed, and then they yep. get concussed and aftershocked. Uh huh. But if you were to fucking, if we had an aster on our team, which we never fucking do, imagine if there was a suck going on there that pulled them into cubby. I don't think we, we, we never have an aster because. I think Tony sometimes plays Astra on split. No, I think he'll Tony play Viper. Plays, oh, I was going to say that he also plays Cypher on split, he, too. Yeah, depends. But either way, we need the, the long and the short of it is we need to bully Tony into playing Astra on split so yeah. he can combo with you. Yeah, definitely. Which is like, great that would for be me ridiculous. then we get yep. smokes on split. Because it sure is fucking going to be me. Well, well, would we? It's Tony. <laughs> I mean, I, I often play Brim on split as well. So, like, I mean, yeah. if I'm on your yeah, team, If you I'll, think he's... If you think he spends too much time in his camera as Cypher, how much time do you think he's spending in Astro form as, as well, Astro? Well, he spends Astro a decent amount. Uh, I generally, I don't know how much time he spends in Astro form. But, but yeah, I, think I mean, real talk, though, spending more time in Astro form, if you're actually placing stars and figuring out setups, I think that's much more useful than, you know, spending time in Cypher. Yeah, when nobody's there. Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think, it, I think it is kind of funny, though, that on certain maps... Uh, depending on the the five stack that we would be in, given 
the people that we regularly play with, it would be actually very possible to see like a four sentinel comp. Mm-hmm. If we all just picked our our comfort pick on a given map. Oh yeah, I mean if you, if you had you, well yeah, both of you two plus uh, Tony and Kate's. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on Haven, we'd have Kate's on Sage, me on Killjoy, Tony on Cypher, you on Chamber. Yeah. Chase uh, having to fill all the other non-Sentinel roles at once somehow. Well, no, I'd just play Brim, so... No, no, he would have to play Omen, because Omen... Then I get can... Flashes. Yeah, because he gets Flashes and a smoke. Yeah. Well, sorry, you get Flash yeah. and Smokes. Not Go flash. ahead and lead us in <laughs> entry Omen. Yeah, absolutely not. I would never play Omen <laughs> on any map. Because I have no fucking idea how to play Omen. I'd get lost in the fucking purple screen that you pull up. Like, <laughs> you can use his non-purple screen, too. I didn't know? even know that that was an option. The non-purple I, screen sucks, though. Oh I've never God. seen it. I've that? never seen I it. Okay, I don't think the non-purple screen sucks as bad as like you make it out to be. And I mained Omen for a while. To date, I have more hours on Omen in Valorant than any other character in the game. Not combined, but as an individual character. I well, guess news flash for you, Cass. So do I, and uh, I'm not going to pretend I'm a better chamber or jet than you, but I absolutely <laughs> am a better omen than you. <laughs> Judging by the number of times you pulled out your smokes and tried to dash, thinking you were jet. So uh, I stand that, by that what I said. Do with when I stopped maining omen and I main jet, <laughs> and then somebody insta log jet over me, so I had to go back to omen. A a one v one me uh, omen. Uh, omen sometime. v omen. Yeah, Omen view. Omen I don't know where Omen is. <laughs> wow, you guys are gonna know exactly where each other are. You're just gonna ult into each other all the time. It's gonna be, That'd sick. be hilarious. Yo, ult with me game. into mid. Are you gonna cancel? <laughs> we both ult till spawn and just play a game of chicken. Yeah, yeah. it's chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's gonna cancel first? Yep. Mm. Ah, dude. Okay, I actually got. Big brain just fuck by an omen a couple weeks ago. I was in a 1v1 with him and he ulted to a point where I could, like, I could tell where he was ulting to. Like, I knew he was ulting onto site. Um, and then canceled it. But I didn't hear him cancel it and I didn't see him cancel it. And so I assumed he stuck it. Ooh. And then he just comes up behind me and shoots me in the back. Ooh. Mm. Um, and I was just like, God, it felt bad, but I was like, God, I just got, I just got three hundred IQ'd on right there. Yo, yo, okay, another buff, another another buff idea coming in. What if omens? Oh, what if omens? Uh, ult had a like Sova drone dart capabilities. It pinged people that you saw. You no, know, you you only have one, oh. so you can ult and you can you can shoot somebody and ping them. Okay, for for reference, um. If you ever alt as Omen, and somebody gets pinged by like a a Sova dart or like a a Sova drone, the ping doesn't show up the way it would if you're not Omen. It, it shows up as a white outline of the character, um, which was super weird for me because I remember the like I think this was literally the last game I've ever played Omen in. Uh, it was on Ascent, and I TP'd into Boathouse with my alt, and I saw Sage through a wall with, like, just her white outline. Mm -hmm. And then, like, my ult finished, and I just wall-banged her. And got the kill. And I was like, like, did a glitch just happen? 
did Omen get stealth buffed in his alt that I didn't know about? Like, I, <laughs> I can see know. through walls. Yeah, like, I didn't know that you darted onto sight. All I knew is I can just see a white outline of the sage through the wall right now. Cass, I hate to, uh, you know, call you out on this in the podcast, yeah. but actually that's never been a feature and you were just caught for using anti-cheat by, I mean, not anti-cheat, an actual cheat by describing yeah. that story. <laughs> so, uh, Riot, please ban this man. <laughs> I think it probably just has to do with the uh, the color changing of when you're uh, in your ult, yeah. right before you've canceled it, when it's all like purple and white. Mm-hmm. So it's like the the outline of people, although it's usually what gold. What is the like orangey red? Yeah, like something like that. It, it probably just shows up as white because of the yeah. color changing. Uh, it goes kind of like monochromatic or dichromatic. I, I saw that, and it, like I, I thought some glitch or something happened. Um. Okay, I mean, so overall, best best utility. You guys both said, well, okay. Astra. I guess we never really decided something yeah. because Cass said Astra, um, Hunter said Astra with a bad argument and said he could be convinced for for Sky. I think Astra basically wins here. Yeah, um, I, I, well, I'll I'll admit that it really depends on how you look at the agent as a whole. I could I could really be convinced either for the Flash or or the Astra suck. It's it's. Tough. I, I will say it is very hard for us to look at all these different abilities in the game and say how they're used and like to come up with a definitive, this is the best. Nah, mm-hmm. fuck you. It's so easy. <laughs> it's, I, it's so easy. Like I can't even understand why you don't see it. A Sova drone. Yeah. It's Sova drone for sure. That's cap. That is hard cap. <laughs> okay. Um... Okay. No, I, in, in the past cast has been uh, written down. I don't know. Like I, I've caught Cass saying Sova Drone is the best ability in the game, so I'm surprised he has yeah. not said a single thing about this. Even though, like month, a couple months ago, he was raving no, okay. about how it's okay. the best the, ability. The Sova Drone is really fucking strong. Hey, and Chase, I'm not arguing that. Chase, how many times can you uh, tag someone while in your Sova Drone? Twice. I'm pretty sure that that sucks because I was hoping to get you there. I'm pretty sure earlier in this podcast, like very early on, you said it was only once. No, and no I was fucking Chase, around with Sova okay. in the range, and I found out you could do it twice. And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to get Chase good for this one." I, I remember. Uh, but it turns I out that you Chase a while ago about this, and he yeah. told me, "No, no, you can only ping somebody once." That was on podcast. That was on podcast. And then I saw in a pro game somebody tag somebody twice. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, uh, that that could have been on podcast. I definitely did believe yeah. that at one point, but I've tagged people multiple times. I'm still sad I didn't get twice. that epic own on you there, but oh well. Yeah, yeah, close. But uh, but after after actually knowing that whether that was that was a while ago if that happened mm. um, on podcast, yeah, but it, it, it definitely did happen at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I I now know, and I I stay in my drone a little bit longer, so I have the possibility mm-hmm. of getting that that second yeah, thing yeah. if I need to. No, I I do think Sova's drone is incredibly strong, and like I do think it is one of the the better abilities in the game. Like, I think it's like 90th percentile. I don't know how many abilities there are. Let's just say it's 90th percentile. Um, but I don't think it's the bonafide numero uno. I just think it's really fucking good. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, moving on, I know that Hunter had a topic that he was saying he wanted to bring up on the podcast. Was that still something that you wanted to bring up right now? Um, um, it would take take a little bit of time, but... You you talking about Hunter? You talking about me here? No, I was I was talking to Hunter. He said mm. last night that he he had something to bring up. I was wondering if he wanted to do that now. 
I'm going to defer that to Cass in case Cass is chomping at the bit for a different topic, but uh, uh, I am well, ready to go with this topic. Uh, we could mean that there was something else I had on this list here that, like, to be honest, I don't think it will take that long. I don't think this uh, will take that long either. Right. So I say we go with Hunter. I say we go with Hunter okay, and then we go back good. to the to the list. Uh, so Hunter fired away. I have written down on my Word doc Hunter's topic: something about the letter of the law. Indeed, and Valorant. Yeah, don't worry. We're not uh getting into constitutional law or something. This is specifically Valorant related, as Cass clarified at the end. So this is a Reddit post on r slash Valorant competitive. Uh, the title is a look at the rule T1 infringed a post on why you should have lawyers write rule books and you shouldn't selectively enforce. So the post is fairly detailed, so I will summarize it as concisely as I can, and I encourage everyone to read it, but I found it very interesting for anyone who is interested in the, uh, pro Valorant scene. Oh, uh, just for reference, Hunter will post the link that he is referencing in our discord, which you can check out at, uh, the DVP club. Yeah, I'll I'll cross post it on Reddit and also put it in Discord. So whichever way you prefer to follow us, I got you covered. So um, essentially what the guy did is he looked at the rules with regard to communication with coaches. And he found a couple different things, all of which were vaguely defined in the rules, such that uh, it really seems like the rules need a rewrite. Okay, should we, all, should we first define what the problem was in case any listeners yes, have yes. not heard the situation we're talking about? Sorry, uh, that, is a, that is a great point, Chase. Um, so essentially what happened was in the T1 versus TSM open qualifier game, T1 initially was recorded as stomping TSM 2-0. I mean, that's how the rounds played out. But during one of the maps, uh, TSM Subrosa tweeted out that um, they were playing in a, a 5v6 that there's an additional player on the uh, T1 team. And he later clarified that what he meant was that uh, the T1 coach put in all chat by accident instead of chat to just his team in text chat, like we experience in our games, he put help sewers, <laughs> a call out for his team to help sewers. And I don't know which is more hilarious, the fact that he was cheating in that way by using text chat or the fact that he accidentally <laughs> went to all chat. But uh, either way, uh, bad look uh, is what everyone thought at the time, and T1 had to forfeit, was forced to forfeit the match by Riot for breaking rules. Uh, but they didn't cite a particular rule that they broke, they just said that coaches aren't allowed to communicate with players without citing a part of their rulebook specifically. During the round, right, yeah. Yes, yes. Now, um, yeah, just to be clear, during tactical timeouts and technical pauses, you're allowed to talk with your coach. Yeah, just for reference, uh, coaches actually aren't able to use team chat but they can whisper, which is probably what he was doing. He was probably whispering to individual players and then fucked up and accidentally used all chat because apparently Riot put in a system that doesn't allow a team or a coach to use the team chat, but they didn't stop them from either whispering or from uh, using all chat. Whispering, for, or just for reference, is your ability to send a message to an individual in the Riot. In the riot. Well, what's fine. what's interesting about Cass, what's interesting about that Cass is that the rule book that the redditor in question references doesn't actually reference the whole whispering and all chat thing that you just said. So it's possible that you know that is how it's been happening in practice, but that is not clearly spelled out in the rules whatsoever. 
And that's part of the problem here. So that's very good information. I didn't know that, but uh, that's that kind of furthers the point that they need to rethink the way they're doing the rules. So uh, first of all, first of all, basically, there's in the rules a distinction between there's a sort of a qualifier of at a live event, and then it talks about like you can't have communication devices beyond what's authorized, which would include like you know cell phones, anything that you could use potentially to gain a competitive advantage in communication. And it says a live event is an in-person event. Um, and then there's one part about in that section about not text, email, or use social media while in the match area, which then sort of takes a deviation into using the term match area. And it's unclear whether or not that's associated with a live event. And then the key meat and potatoes of this is the rules say during the match communication by a player shall be limited to the other players on the team. So by a player, you know, word for word indicates that a player can only say something to other players on his team. It does not say it does not say specifically in the rules whether someone can say something to a player. See, the the coach was watching someone's perspective, and because that's all the information they have, they can only watch their pl- their team's perspectives. Yep, that's how game, it's set up, right? Mm-hmm. So they heard something in sewers or saw something in sewers and said, Hey, help sewers to somebody. Right. Right. Um, technically a member of the team should have said that in a, in a call out already. If that's something that was necessary, they would have said that or should have said that. Right. So the coach being there to say that just shouldn't happen or maybe wasn't needed. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the exact circumstances of that yeah. exact one was or whether or not in, in general, it's helpful to have, um, a, a sixth pair of eyes there. Uh, it probably is helpful to have a, a sixth pair of eyes there because there are things that you miss in the chaos um, of playing, right? When somebody is not focusing on playing, they're just watching, they they might be able to see things. Right. And um, also, you got to consider they can see all five POVs. And so, like, if they can see four other POVs and be like, nobody else is getting any action over there, um, like there, there's probably a bunch of people stacked in this area and they can relay that information. Whereas you as an individual sitting there going like, well, I don't have any action here, but I don't know what's going on with my other teammates besides this one person who's calling for help. And like, it, it's something that I try to actively avoid in my games because I get really annoyed when I'm dead and I watch my team do this when I'm playing in ranked is just the over rotations. Yeah. I get annoyed at myself. Like when I when I rotate off of uh, a site, only for like fifteen seconds later for them to just walk on and plant. Yeah, like I get really annoyed at that, and so I try to in games. I, I at least lately I've been trying to hold my ground more and be like, I'll I'll rotate when they have site, or like when it's obvious that they are making a push for this. Whereas like right. just if someone's like, I see five A lobby. Like, I'm not going to give up my off angle on, on C, like Haven specifically, right? Whereas when somebody's like, okay, I've got like two short and like three pushing up long, then then I should probably start to move. Um, but I think having a coach tell you like, hey, go do this. Like they just, because they can see five POVs at once, they just have more information than you do. Um, so yeah. regardless of whether my team should have or should not have communicated to me to go do something in specific, I think the coach 
telling you to do something is like a, hey, you should go do this. I just have more information than you do because I'm staring at five different screens at once. And I think we can all agree that like it's pretty obvious this should not be allowed. Right. And it's obvious that from the rules that they were trying to make it not allowed. However, according to the rules, it technically is allowed. Um, which I is is crazy to me. I I don't understand how that could have slipped by. Um, where is there not a section? Obviously not. If this like if somebody has gone through this with a fine tooth comb, but there should be a section on coach communications and coach interactions that specifically says no interactions during the the round to the players. Right, like there's no rule yeah. that says coaches can only communicate to the players during tactical timeouts or technical pauses. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that that doesn't exist, which it obviously must not for this whole thing to happen, like, is crazy. Because that's such a simple line that you think would have been somewhere in the rules. Yeah, it I, seems like the rules got a little too cute because another thing that I didn't mention yet is that as part of the live event section, it says at live events, all communication devices other than devices authorized by the tournament operator and tournament officials for use of that live event must be removed from the play area before any official game begins. And so it seems like they're very clear, like they don't want a scenario where, you know, at a live event, the coach has his cell phone and he's in like a group call with the team. So it seems like they're really clearly like trying to avoid that scenario, but then they didn't spell out the basics like you're saying, Chase. And that seems to be a clear mess up. And uh, a clear it, distinction between live events and online yeah. events here, whereas yeah, another, they don't yeah. have the same rules specifically stated for online events, which a lot of events currently are. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with that. And also that, and also, like I said, the they switch the terminology when they talk about using text, email, or social media. They then say while in the match area. And they never, they have like a list of definitions in the rules and live event is defined. Match area is never defined. So you have a scenario where on the one hand, like Chase was saying, the rule about communication with players is clearly intended to, to, you know, preclude coaches talking to the team, uh, but that isn't spelled out. And then the section about using social media or texting or emailing that it's kind of unclear what they mean. It's it, clearly the, at a live event, you're not supposed to be on your cell phone, but does the match area count for online? Like was Sabrosa supposed to be penalized for tweeting during the match? I don't think anyone knows at this point. So you have kind of two separate problems with the ambiguity in the rules there, which I think is really interesting. I mean, I I think that, okay, I guess I got, I kind of have two points here. Um, mm-hmm. the, the first point is me playing devil's advocate, and this will be kind of short. Um, and it's along the lines of like, say you're a coach for like a basketball team. You can fucking yell at your players from the sideline. Yeah. You can, you can, you can be, you could be the coach for the Golden State Warriors. I'm assuming Steph Curry still plays for the Golden State Warriors. I don't really give a shit about basketball, so I don't actually know. But like, I'm assuming the coach could be like shouting at him like, dude, shoot the fucking ball. Right. And like, he can say that from the sidelines and like, presumably the player would be able to hear him and be like, okay, coach, I'm going to shoot. Um, and so, like, the, the devil's advocate to this would be like, you know, you you got a coach. Like, why, you know, if this is something that's allowed in, you know, live, you know, like a, I guess, like sports rather than esports events, um, then, like, why not have it allowed? 
Um, well, I think the difference is the amount of information that's necessary. And yes, I guess if you get into like uh, other kinds of sports that are not esports, where people are positioned on the field is very, very important, okay. right? And and there might be situations where you're so caught up in the fact of what you're doing that you're not noticing where other people are. Mm -hmm. But I think that in esports, it's much more upfront how important information on position is. Yeah. Right? So it's very, very important to know where people are and what information is available to you about the other team. And if you miss that, that's something that's part of playing the game. Right? Whereas in, in like a sport like basketball, everybody's on the court. You can kind of see everything, right? Nothing's hidden from your view. Um, and you just need to keep the ball away from people or shoot the ball. That's a lot on you. It's not about where your opponents are positioned. You know if somebody's right in front of your face, but if somebody's tucked away in the back corner of the court, you don't give a fuck about them. They're not interfering with you, right? So in, in a game like Valorant, in a tactical shooter, it's much more important to understand where people are, and that's such a massive part of the game that having a coach interfere with that is slightly different. All right, fair enough. And then, like, okay, so my, my second point here is um, now I... Hunter, I'm assuming you didn't face, I don't know about you, but um, if any of you guys listened to the last uh, plot chat, um, I podcast episode, yeah, I, uh, I kind of assumed that was a foregone conclusion. They're yeah. so far inferior to us, it's not even, you know, worth bothering. <laughs> okay, <with. laughs> at any rate. Yeah, but also, of course, I listened to it, yeah. Yeah, okay, so they, they did discuss this topic in length, and one of them brought up a, a point that I thought was actually a very valid point here, which is... And I know neither of you guys follow the CS competitive scene, but there have been a multitude of coaches banned in CS for a variety of things to the point where for quite a few events, coaches were just outright banned. Wow. Like, like you can't have a coach anywhere. Like your, your coach can like sit in his fucking hotel room and he can watch the live stream that every other viewer gets to watch. And then after the game, you can talk to him about shit. And then they the rules got somewhat modified to the point where it's like, okay, he can be there, but like he can't say anything. He can't make any facial expressions. He can't talk to anyone. Like nothing. Um, and so like you'll you'll see a bunch of just like when you're watching the broadcast of one of these major tournaments, you'll see the coach just sitting there deadpan as fuck. Because, like, the rules specifically forbid them from doing literally anything um, outside of tack timeouts. And, like, one of the people on Podshot brought up the fact that, like, you'd think coaches would learn from such a similar game. That, like, if you're gonna push the boundaries of what is and is not allowed, they're just gonna get stricter and stricter about what it is that you can and can't do. And, like, it, it, it just seems to to me, like, regardless of what the letter of the law says, it's very evident they don't want you communicating with the team outside of tactical timeouts. And personally, okay. I don't have a problem with in a live event, because I know this was a huge thing when they, like, banned it in CS. 
like if someone pops off and gets a 4k and your coach goes up and like you know pats them on the back just like kind of like shakes their shoulders a bit and he's you know it's like good fucking shit i feel like that should be totally fine but like cs went to the extent to ban that because they were worried about coaches interfering with the game and so like i i feel like in valorant people should kind of have learned from that scenario and be like you know clearly we should not be testing what we can and cannot do in terms of coaches otherwise that shit's just going to get outright banned well i think that it's more like valorant should have learned from cs in instituting rules that are similar right there's precedent set yeah right so it's it's not like the teams are have the onus on them to understand the precedent and apply it to themselves it's like riot should have understood those rules and written them into their own rule book so something i want to say is that i'm a big fan of formula one right Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things in Formula One, right? Literally what what is called a formula. The reason why the sport is called that is because there's a rule set. And that rule set is called the formula. And teams are good by finding all the little ways they can break the formula. Mm-hmm. How How can you get around these really strict, well-written rules so that you can do something that no one else has discovered. Right. Right. That is a huge thing in Formula One. And that's what provides a lot of entertainment and competitive like racing. And so applying that to this situation, I think that T1 is completely justified if they knew that this was not against the rules. If they yeah. had gone into the rules and said, hey, we specifically saw that we can do this. Right, that's okay, their well, intent. Their intent is, hey, uh, we know that this should be banned, but the but rules not. technically don't say that it's banned. So we're going to exploit it. I completely think they should be allowed to do that. Okay. And then that what that leads to, and the same is in Formula One, is if teams exploit the rules in a way that is like game-breaking or, or race-breaking, they get changed. The rules get changed, mm-hmm. right? To To patch that hole out. But that was good on the team for figuring that out. I mean, um, in whatever land tournament that Ascend was in, because I Pacha brought this up, they just had their coach IGL because it wasn't banned, right? But interesting. They they went to the tournament organizers and were like, "Hey, we see this isn't outlawed in the rules. Therefore, can we do it?" Which was the whole thing that came up with the uh, whole cipher cam cheating scandal on Breeze, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like if if you're aware of something, you should go to the tournament organizer and be like, "Hey, can we do this?" Right. Um, and I think had T1 done that and gone to the tournament organizers and been like, "Hey, they don't say we can't." How do you guys feel about this? I, th- I don't think they need to do that. I think it's on it's on Riot or it's on the tournament organizers to figure that out. Uh, okay, so then how do you feel about that CypherCam exploit? Because that was not explicitly banned. No, but there was precedent set. Well, but okay, the, the interesting thing about the precedent G2, set, though... G2, ahead, G2 had their coach interacting with their players in one of their uh, like qualifier online tournament games, and Riot just let that go. 
Yeah, exactly. That's precedent. The precedent so is saying, they let it go. Yeah. So the precedent T1 on the side should get away with it. I think T one should absolutely get away with this. Um, but what I, what I think is from the cipher cam, there was precedent set where in a previous riot sanction tournament, somebody a team used that cipher cam and they were told you cannot use that cipher cam. Yeah, but they forfeited their next map. They didn't forfeit that map. Doesn't matter. There is precedent set that. So Riot that is, is technically okay a rule. That. Riot is not al- allowing that cipher cam to mm-hmm. be used, right? There is no precedent set in this situation that somebody exploit the rules. Then they said, "No, you can no longer exploit the rules." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the uh, just to be clear, in my opinion, my the idea of being a sporting team is not taking advantage of something that you know gives you an unfair advantage. If you if you understand that something is giving you an advantage that makes you know the other team have a hard time countering what you're doing in a way that's not intended, then I believe it's somewhat scummy to do it. So regardless of the rules, personally, I think that the cipher camp thing was kind of cheesy and dumb. But on the counter side of that, when it comes to enforcement of the rules, given how many teams play in riot sanctioned events, particularly because with the open qualifiers, I'm pretty sure the brackets were published online when it was down to 128 teams for NA, that there's a lot that can happen in Riot-sanctioned tournaments, and I think the rules need to be written clearly enough with... I think, I think in my opinion, it's on Riot to compile all of the times they've banned someone or penalized a team for using an exploit or are aware of an exploit that hasn't been used yet and publish that as a list to teams... Because I feel like it's somewhat of an unfair burden for a team to have to pay attention to every single time Riot announces that something is an exploit through any of the thousands of matches that go on throughout the year, and then make sure they're not doing that. I and agree. That was one of the... However, go the, ahead, the, go ahead. Yeah, no, the, the rule stated by Riot is there is a rule in the rulebook that says teams may not exploit any known exploits, right? Or any known glitches in the game. That is a stated yeah. rule. And so... Yes, Riot should have a list of what those known ones are, right? But that cipher cam yeah. is defined as known because it's not the first time it was used or caught in a tournament. Well, here's the thing, Chase. Riot never responded to this, so it's somewhat of a tough thing to say if it's true or not. But, you know, the way it was said, I kind of believe it. One of the things that, um, it wasn't crew. Who the fuck was it who used the cipher cam exploit? Uh, Keed. Yes, yes, Vivo Keed. One of the things that Vivo Keed said is they said that Riot provided prior to champions, they provided a list of known exploits, and that Cypher Cam bug was not on the list of known exploits. Yes, it was not it was not on the list. However, the rule says any known exploits not restrictive to that list. So, like Riot may have right. provided a list separately, but the rule is not exactly like stating only ones that are on the list Riot provided you, the rule states any known exploits. And it was a known exploit to Riot because it had been used in a prior tournament. Well, yeah, I understand the argument you're making, but this is where this this is kind of where I counter with. The way I think it should work is that Riot provides the list initially and they try to keep it updated. So the fact that Riot didn't have that on the list is a huge mistake on their part because if they'd banned a team for using that exploit, why the heck wouldn't it be on the list? And then secondly, I think it should come come down to the tournament organizers, the people who are running the tournament, to step in if an exploit that's not on the list ends up being used significantly, 
and then you know, and then immediately intervene. And that can be something that's brought up by the other team. If the cipher key, if this, I, in my, in my opinion of it, they should have been on the list. If it wasn't on the list, then it's up to either the tournament organizers to recognize Vivo Keed using it or the other team to come to the tournament organizers and say, Hey, we can't see this cipher cam that's shooting at us. It's blocked by the environment. And then the tournament organizers to look at it. But I believe that if it's not on the list and the tournament organizers never actually, you know, bring it up then i think then you the idea of going back after the fact and being like well we've decided this is an exploit is not the way to go oh that that entire situation is a shit show like it is yes it is but what, what i'm Do you saying agree with what i'm saying in terms of i, how I completely i completely agree with you that's how it should go cool. however i i think that this coaching scenario is slightly different because oh, yeah, they're definitely. not they're not abusing an exploit it's not yeah, an exploit yeah. in the game that they're abusing it is a loophole I agree. And there is a significant difference there. So I, I think that they are completely validated in using this loophole, given that it was in the rules. However, I don't think they're validated in using it if they thought they were cheating. Well, what's what's to follow up on that idea of whether or not they're validated based on whether or not they thought they were cheating, there are a couple things that happened in the aftermath of this. One of them is that there was a lot of chatter from people familiar with the competitive scene and pros themselves indicating that a lot more teams are doing this, having their team, their coaches give call-outs in online tournaments. And basically, T1 just got caught because their coach goofed and put something in all chat. Otherwise, they would have never been caught. And caught is used in loose terms because it yeah. doesn't really count. But then what's also funny is that T1 certainly didn't take the excuse me, the uh, moral high ground stance when it came to all this. People were kind of clowning them because... After Riot announced that they forfeited the match, they said, okay, well, we're instead of doubling down like Chase was suggesting they should if they believe they were justified and saying, hey, what we did was allowed by the rules, they, they went ahead and uh, suspended their coach for the next uh, open qualifier. Mm. <laughs> and then they... Yeah, that's not good. And then, yeah, and yeah. then they promoted to coach someone who to replace him who was famously banned from PUBG for cheating. <laughs> like someone else in their... Uh, <laughs> yeah so That's the way hilarious. the team handled that is pretty hilarious uh, yeah but, like but like the thing is the thing is uh i feel like it doesn't seem like t1 actually based on that i don't feel like t1 studied the rules and found the loophole i it, my my reading of the, the situation is that this is a thing that a lot of coaches do of giving call outs in chat and for whatever reason riot hasn't really discovered it until now and so t1 was doing damage control of like oh fuck we don't really want to be penalized worse for this so let's seem like we're addressing this yeah it seems like they were doing damage control but i yeah. i think that they should be allowed to do it if they had studied the rules and done it then i think they're validated right. if they didn't study the rules then i mean they lucked into a situation i still think it should be allowed yeah. however i don't think as highly of them right <laughs> yeah. i still i still think they're assholes for doing it because right, right, they right. were try they were trying to cheat. However, if they had studied it and actually found the loophole and knew that they were exploiting it, I'd be like fucking geniuses. They got this, yeah. right? Yeah, like, I, there's I a agree. Significant I, difference. Yeah. yeah, it's a similar thing when you were saying about Formula One. It's similar to the NFL. There've been uh, John Harbaugh, Bill Belichick, and a couple other coaches have over time found like clock exploits where if you if you get towards the end of a game where you're trying to run out the clock 
if you get called for a certain penalty, then you can actually lose yardage, but lose time as well, which you want. And those things have been patched out of the rules over time because they know what they're doing. So I agree with what you're saying there, Chase. And it seems like this is instead a situation where everyone is doing it and someone just got caught for the first time. So the question is, is it just going to be T1 who takes the fall for this? Or is Riot going to find a way to discover the other teams that are abusing this? See, I think T1 should... I, I, it's not even really possible to retroactively give them the game at this point, right? But like, there should be something yeah. where they said, "Oh, it was fine," but now we're patching it out. I agree, and and I then agree. because the same thing has happened in the NHL. I know Cass has some scenarios with that, yeah, and with Roger, like, a lot of Roger other, Nielsen. yeah, right. Like there, there was what the the goalies stacking snow in front of the yeah in front there, of the goals. There's, there's a a coach who's rather infamous in the NHL for having several rules. That basically, at the end of this rule, it says, looking at you, Roger, um, because he came up with a bunch of shenanigans and loopholes. Yeah, so this exists in a bunch of other sports. Yeah. And it was allowed. This is unique to esports. It's just like, until we write a rule that says you can't do it, well, I guess you can. And like, I, I... Yeah. And it it seems like Riot is now taking a stance that is like, no, no, that's not what we meant. So we're going to go with by the rules we meant, not what the rules we wrote were, which exactly. I don't think is a good precedent to set for, for esports. It should be yeah. the rules that are written, and then you adapt those rules if they're exploits. There is mm-hmm. no, like, you have to actually have that written down. If somebody finds a way to bend the rules or get around them without explicitly breaking a rule, then write one to patch that out. Yeah. I I totally agree because... You know, right. The key reason why Riot said they wanted to include slots for champions from minor regions, such as Brazil, was to increase the popularity of Valorant and the like global aspect of it. And then by butchering the whole Cipher Camp situation, the, the end result was a whole bunch of Brazilian fans feeling like Valorant and the world were somehow against them and really pissing them off, which isn't necessarily, you know, that isn't that's directly going against the goal that Riot set out to do. So I think with clearer rules. They'll, the, con- the competitive integrity of the game will be much better. Okay, Cass, there, we have about 15 minutes-ish left of the podcast to record, yeah. so yeah. what do we got? Okay, so I, I was going to just ask, uh, what's your favorite thing to do on your agent? Like, what what kind of play or just, like, individual circumstance do you most enjoy executing on the agent you play and i guess in my context i play fewer agents than you guys so like i kind of only have like two like written down here um just because i don't really play a lot of agents but like to for example on chamber i love whenever i hear a raise ulting to to bait her into suiting me because i can tp out yeah, that, um, I mean, it, it feels really nice just watching you do that because you do it a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. To have the raise shoot the, the ult and then, yeah. and then, and you then I'm TP just out yeah. is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I love doing that. And, like, I also really enjoy, and this only ever happens, like, right at the beginning of a game um, or, I guess, right after you switch sides. But, like, I also really enjoy Chamber. Um just getting a one tap with my headhunter against the same person several rounds in a row. Like pistol round, they peak mid, one tap them. 
Uh, you enjoy the psychological round. warfare aspect. Yeah, of yeah. Like, and let's say we lose pistol round, and next round I've got two shots left in my uh, in my headhunter, and I peek mid and one tap them again. Like that's just so satisfying for me to do. So that's um, why you do it. <laughs> that's why you go and die mid every second round. <laughs> I love to see it. Um, but yeah, th- those are those are my like. That, like that's just my favorite thing to do as, as as chamber, and I'm wondering what your guys's respective favorite thing to do on the agents that like you play is. I mean, yeah, there are a couple of really like things that seem really good. Um, I mean, as Sova, first getting shock dart kills just in general feels oh, yeah. incredible, right? I feel like sure, like getting a double shock dart lineup kill is cool and all. I don't know many of them. You know any? I I know a couple. I just don't typically use them because they're very situational. Mm-hmm. Um but like they're they're cool and all, but I, I feel like it's even better when you kind of just make up your own on the fly and then you get the kill with it. That's the best feeling of being like I know the angles of this map and like the geometry of the site. And I'm just going to double bounce this off this random spot on the wall. And maybe Mm. it'll hit default. And then you're going to hit up MIT and ask for a uh, scholarship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously I'm, I'm really good at a fucking geometry. I I don't (laughs) know what, what fucking PhD I'd be getting just math in general. Um, Trigonometry, the angles of this shit bouncing off walls. But yeah, that feels so good of, like, I nailed that. Uh, that yeah. that would probably be the thing that, feel, that feels the best on Sova. Uh, I gotta think a little bit for Brim, but Hunter, feel free to go. Well, I'm gonna say something else for you here, that personally, I get extremely hyped when there's, like, a hard rush on a site where we know a lot of the team is, is like, at about to push a certain site just based on sound alone, and you pop a Sova ult, and get like two plus kills with your ult. Like a blind ult. You didn't shoot a recon dart first. That happened in the game we played with someone from the, uh, the this uh, server. The Drunk Valorant uh, server. Um, where you just, you know, they're, they're rushing A on Ascend. And you just pop that ult and get two of them. Like, I mean, I get so hyped up just from seeing that happen. <laughs> I'm not even the one doing it. So maybe the shock dart kills feel even better. But I feel like that's got to feel pretty good too. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'd say bl- blind ults do sound do feel really good i mean mm-hmm. yeah just it obviously it, it's easier if you get like a a drone ping and then you can just mm-hmm. follow their person yeah, but if maybe. you're just blindly shooting an ult and you're like oh i got four pings off of that i'm gonna follow some <laughs> like that feels so good too oh yeah i mean i the way the the reason i got into gold last act is because there was a sova on our team in a game on icebox who admittedly was not having his best game but when we needed him to, it was 11-12. He's last alive in a 1v4. He blind ults and gets three of them. No way. And then no one taps way. one taps the last person on their team to uh to get the 4k and bomb defuse. And it was just like like that that is single-handedly, like had I lost that game, might not have made it into gold last act. And this Sova wow. just clutched up with that blind ult. And fuck, dude. That felt good for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of specifically, you know, ascent A side, um, just blind ulting off the start of the round. 
mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. But then I've also had a lot of fun on Icebox, where I've gotten a lot of kills when they're um, when somebody will plant uh, default B site. Yeah, I don't and... know. If, I don't know if that counts as a blind ult. No, no. It, what that doesn't count as a blind ult. Mm-hmm. But what does is that if you're on an angle where you blindly hit somebody in yellow, and you follow up on them and also get that kill. Oh, I yeah. see. <laughs> that's what feels really good. Mm. Is that sometimes you'll get like a randy p- like ping, and you're like, okay, well, I'm gonna follow up on the on the bomb planner or the the diffuser yeah. first. But then you like flick to like maybe they're over here now, mm-hmm. and then you get the pay- the the kill on like the third one. Mm-hmm. It feels really good. Have you sure. have you tried with his alt? Like somebody did this to me the other day, um, which is like intentionally missing at the start. And then, like, last second, slide it over. It's really hard to move a Sova ult once you've charged it. Okay. Your, your it movement I've never speed played Sova, so I don't know the mechanics of it. Goes significantly down, I believe. Okay. Like, oh, yeah. Ha- yeah. So, like, you can't, you can't adjust very much. The, the, like, the, it's kind of, I don't know if it's linear or exponential, like, what the, what the graph would look like, mm-hmm. but, you know, before you press charge uh, on your shot, you can move around like normal. But then as soon as you hit charge, as it charges up, it gets progressively harder to move your cursor around. Hmm. It's like your DPI falls to like four. Okay, so that's when you use the DPI shifter on your mouse. To go up really up high. It would <laughs> be interesting. Slide it over. That'd be inter- somebody, I don't know if that would work. I don't know if that would work, would, that would like, be sick. I feel like somebody legitimately did that to me the other day when I'm like, oh, I'm chilling over here. He's missing. And like I'm watching that beam next to me. And I'm yeah. just like, I'm totally fine where I am. And then last second, I just see it over my face and then I'm dead. It may be possible if it wasn't really last second. Like maybe they were just kind of shooting their beam around and then it flicked it over to you, but it was so far away that you initially like weren't really paying attention to it. Oh, just because of how far away I was from it. Just yeah. It, maybe. I I don't know. Yeah. In, in pro games, I've seen a good bit like where they shoot it like into the floor and then bring it up at the last second. Yeah. So you don't know where it is. I've seen that before too. Yeah. It's like, it only works if it. someone's at the very end because of course it's still going to be highlighting people closer to you, but yeah. Okay, well, what about on, on characters that you play, Hunter? What what probably feels the best? Well, I play so many characters that I'm just going to pick one. And obviously, I reference Yoru too much on this podcast. And the reason is is simple. Because my single favorite thing to do in the game is to get one or more kills. It feels especially good if it is the more. With a rolling flashed uh, TP with Yoru. Where you send your TP into sight, hit the flash while your TP is still in motion... TP in and take that uneven gunfight on someone while taking a ton of space for your team. It feels so amazing to me that, you know, that's what makes me fall in love with Yoru, and that's my favorite thing to do. I mean, it does look really cool when you flash from one angle and then show up behind somebody. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just so disorienting as being the person on the other side of that, right? Mm -hmm. Of, oh, they were at this angle. Like, Usually when you get flashed and you're fucked, you're going to spray a couple of shots into where they're going to peek you from. Yeah. But yours is just going to peek you from who the fuck knows where. Yep. Right? Wherever they decided the to throw like, their TP earlier. I've never seen a hunter do that because 
When what are you flashes, talking? When, well, when you flash them, you also flash me. Oh, <laughs> true. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. don't get to see shit. Like, all I know is by the time I'm unflashed, it'll be like a kill up in the kill feed on the top right. And it's just like, oh, I guess Hunter got a kill. Cool. Yeah, I don't know if I've, I don't remember if I've seen, said this on podcast or not, but I've said it off plenty of times. My ideal flash is as many of the enemy team as possible and cast. Yeah. So, yep. That just is, to uh, teach him a lesson. It's really just to teach cast not oh, yeah. to. Like, I want you to entry and take space on site, but you also have to play anti-flash at the same time. So, mm-hmm. good luck. <laughs> yeah. I remember, like, one of the first games when Chase uh, tried playing KO, and almost every single round without fail, I got KO flashed twice, and there was only one <laughs> KO in the game, and it was Chase. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the time it would be like, hey, I'm going to flash this into sight, and then you would dash into sight as Jet, and then I would flash. Like, usually you would wait for my flash to, to hit before you dash into sight. But I'm not going to take user error out of there as well. I'm going I'm to put a little bit of blame on myself, but most of the blame on you. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned this to, like, I, unless any of you guys have any other, like, really flex-feeling things that you guys do on your characters. Just like, no, I was just, like, something Hunter there. brought up earlier with, with the brim smokes. Like, mm-hmm. what feels really good is tossing your molly so that it's perfectly hidden by your smoke, and then someone gets killed mm-hmm. by the molly. God, is that possible? I thought the molly was bigger than the smoke. I thought you had to kind of set it a bit back. It is, but, but you can set it to, you can push, like, you can put your molly towards you more, yeah, so that someone pushing yeah, into the yeah, smoke yeah. does not the see the molly. Yeah. yeah, It doesn't have to be perfectly at the outward edge of the smoke. Like, it can be such that it starts halfway into the smoke, so the team goes into the smoke, they don't see it, and then they like, okay, let's take sight, and then they're running through your molly, and they're like, uh-oh, yeah, but that I regret really all good my too. life decisions leading up to this point. Now, Obviously, like, the best joy. feeling is when you get that kill by doing that, but yeah. it's also a really good feeling post-round to, like, hit tab and see, like, you know, 50 damage dealt, 80 damage dealt yeah. by your molly. I'm just like, oh, well, that was sick. I um maybe I should look at that stuff more. I, I you usually should. Hit, yeah, I usually hit tab after rounds to um to figure out how much money the enemy has and like where their alt economy is at. Um I don't typically look at what my abilities did. Although in the context of the agents I play yeah. It doesn't matter as much. It doesn't really matter. And a lot of the time for like, if for Brim, if I'm using a Molly or something like it'll, unless someone got damaged by it, it doesn't really show up what its utility was. But a lot of the time the Molly just stopped them from pushing sight for five seconds. Right. 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 And that, that's very useful, but yeah, however long it is, but the, uh, eight or six. What I find really, really useful is when I'm playing Breach on Split is you can see how many enemies you displaced or concussed using your utility. Mm. And so then I know, oh, last round I concussed, like, ramps. And there was somebody playing ramps. Even if we didn't get that killer, I didn't, like, end up following up on that utility. I know that there was someone playing there. Yeah. Right? So that's a lot of, like, very useful information of, oh, they like to play there. Yeah, okay, so I also think that's really interesting to send, like, a side note here. Because, like, I often play with an op, and I like to move the op around. Because I don't want the enemy team to think, like, let's just take Haven, for example. 
um, I typically start out by playing Seelong. Like, I don't want the enemy team to think like, oh, as soon as he has alt money, he's just going to be posted up on Seelong every round. Um, yeah. Like, I, I like moving it around. Now, with Haven specifically, I really don't like playing B, and I really don't like playing Garage. But between A long, A short, and C, I I like I like alternating between those three, somewhat randomly, just to like make them use utility. To like you can also use like A long or A heaven. Yeah, it like j- just to make them well because I'm chamber. I typically like to take an aggressive angle mm-hmm. at the start because I can unless you just Ferrari peek me and one tap me, which. Doesn't happen a ton, but occasionally does, I guess. Um, I can typically get out of dodge. So it it I think it's really nice for me specifically. Um, like, I love switching up where it is I'm playing on the map. And, like, if you take split, for example, like, I'll play pretty much anywhere. Be main, or, like, yeah, like, be main, be heaven, mid, A ramps, like, uh, A main. Like, I, I'm totally fine with, like, playing from any of them. So I find that I often switch up my position. But it, it seems like quite a few other players are more stagnant in where it is that they play on a given map. And I don't really put that much emphasis into thinking about where other people are playing outside of, like, oh, the Viper's playing B. Or, oh, the Killjoy's playing B. And, like, maybe I should. Yeah, I mean, also my utility, depending on my character, is much more equipped to deal with players playing certain angles, right? Of, mm-hmm. like, I know that they're this person, like, Reyna likes to be playing Cubby, so I'm going to concuss this Cubby before right, somebody yeah. peeks it, right? Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's really it. It's just what your utility does to help the team. There's not much you can do other than check your angles when you go through if you're, if you're Jet or Chamber, right? Like you, I guess you could put a, uh, like a, a yeah, bot I, I there to check your angle. Yeah. I sometimes save an alarm bot so I don't have to guess on 50 fifties and I can just throw it out there and see if somebody shoots it or if it pings someone. Um, which also something if you, that you might not know is, um, Chambers alarm bot has a vertical restriction in, it can be a bit below you or a bit above you and still tag you. But if you're too high up or too high down, but still in that circle, it won't go off. But it will look at you. Interesting. Hmm. So, so you, a, you um, can still, like, if someone's on a box or something, it won't yeah. ping them, but it'll look at them and it'll still tell if you where it is? If someone's standing on top of a box, it won't go off, but it will look at them. Um, it, there are very, very few situations in which this works. The only two that I specifically know of are both on Haven. Um, and it's when you're in sewers and you're trying to get on to, like, a site uh, from short. You know that box that some people like to camp on right above you? Yeah. For sure. Like, right above the exit. If I chuck my, if I just chuck my alarm bot out into the open, it won't ping them at that height. But the bot will kind of look at it. And so a bunch of people will try to just stay hidden there. Like, oh, like this bot isn't going to find me like I'm, I'm like, I'm fine here. Um, actually it might be at any elevated position now that I think about it. Cause I've yeah, never it's pretty seen high. A, well, but like, I'm just saying I've never seen a slow field in the air. No. So maybe if you're on top of like even smaller boxes, 
Like if you're not quote unquote grounded, it maybe won't it just you, doesn't go off. Yeah. yeah, we should test this. I'm curious. We could test this later after the podcast ends. Yeah. And speaking, I mean, speaking of the of, podcast yeah. ending, <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> yeah, and also speaking of when the podcast ends, we're we're about to hop into chat in our Discord server. We're gonna try to hop a game or two with with some people if they if they're down. So uh, for all you guys listening out there, make sure you get into the Discord. Um, the links for the Discord and the Reddit are both in all like all our episode descriptions and posted at the top of the Reddit, which is r slash Drunk Valorant Podcast. So go hit that stuff up. Um, we'll see you yep. in the discord we'll try to make obviously some of us might not be available from week to week but like we'll try to make it a habit of hopping into the discord to play games after our podcasts on wednesday night so uh just come through mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it's probably going to be easier if you're on the west coast um, yeah it's kind of hard if you're not on the west coast to be honest yeah i mean yeah. In, if you're a degenerate like hunter then you might be up at two three in the morning but yes uh, yes uh, we'll we'll see. So hop in there. Uh, we'll see you there, and uh, we'll drink with you later. <laughs>